Welcome to the weekly Mission Red Bank podcast, helping the body of Christ build itself up together in love. Good morning. My name is Micah. I, along with my husband, Matthew, we serve here at Red Bank Chapel on the pastoral staff. Usually you see me singing, but this morning I'm honored to serve by bringing some thoughts on worship. We've pushed pause on our study of Matthew in these morning services just to seek to follow the Holy Spirit's lead and what he's doing in our community right now, and we have really felt that he is really calling us into a deeper place of worship. And so this morning, I wanted to start by sharing a personal story with you. It was formative in my understanding of worship. It was 2010, and I had been abandoned in my marriage and left to figure out what comes next with my sweet baby girl, Eliana. Praise God, my parents cared for us over that time, but I had no job, no property, no credit, um, nothing but this small person who was completely dependent on me. And quite frankly, I was a broken mess. She napped one day as I stood alone doing dishes, and the hurt from my situation was just wreaking havoc. The pain was threatening me at every moment. And as I was doing dishes, I heard this holy whisper. And I knew it was a divine whisper. And it said, Worship me. Worship him. Worship God now. I understood this ask four years prior when I was sharing a stage with world famous worship leaders. We sang about the greatness of God in front of thousands of people, and God's ask made sense then when I had a bright future ahead and was told I was able to live my dreams and change the world. I was young. Uh, But now, with dreams shattered and a broken heart, I felt my back was breaking under the pressure. God was asking me in those moments to worship him. In that particular moment. Could I do it? Would I worship God? What did that even mean in this moment? Let's pray together. Father, Reveal yourself to us that we may worship you. Amen. In today's reading from Psalm 67, we hear this summoning of praise. It calls the whole earth to praise. If we could put it back on the screen. So it says, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. Selah. That your way may be known on the earth and your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, God. Let the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. Selah. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. So picking up where Pastor Al left off last week, I encourage us to remember how God ordains the praise of his people. 
Pastor Al explained how God even demands it. But it's not because he's narcissistic. It's because he loves us. And he created us to know him, to be known by him. And God wants the best for us. So he gives us himself. Creating a path for us to embrace this through obedience and desire, through worship. Throughout the entire Bible... The whole story of God's people, he is calling them to worship him and him only, to forsake every other temptation and that are above him. The call is to worship him wholeheartedly, and that is the same for us today. We were made to worship, and I don't know how that feels when I say that. I don't know how that makes you feel, but we all worship You worship and I worship. And the root of the English word is, just as it sounds, worth-ship. It's to give worth to something, to express worthiness. It's saying by word and action, you are worth my time. You are worth my attention. The ancient meaning of this word is to bow down and to kiss toward. Can you believe it? It's beautiful. We give worth and affection every day to the things and the people that we consider most important. If you think about how we spend our money, our time, how we become excited and enthusiastic and even go ballistic over our favorite teams, (laughs) how we follow the lives of celebrities and people that impress us. When we look at what gets us out of bed every morning and what motivates us, we find what we worship what we consider most important. So whether or not we worship isn't the question. It is what or who do we worship? And the truth about it is that we often settle for worshiping many other things than God. And in this, we're actually just selling ourselves short of him for whom we were created. There's that quote by C.S. Lewis. It says, It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea, we are far too easily pleased. Can you relate to that? Don't you find, though, that the pleasures of food and recreation and relationships often uh, leave us feeling unsatisfied? I know I do. And I believe that what God is inviting us into is the discovery that he is the ultimate source of delight, of love, of wonder, of joy. And it is unending. So how do we live this life that God has called us to, a life of worship unto him. I know it can sound ethereal and unclear. How do we live this life of worship? How do we do something so bewildering as to fix our attention and our love and our passions on that which we cannot see? Well, thank God it doesn't start with us. It does not begin with our efforts. It begins with the blessing and grace of God, who he is shining on his people. If we go back again to Psalm 67 again, we see it. 
I think we may have it. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us. When God's grace and blessings are poured out, when his beautiful face radiating with light and majesty shines on his people, knowledge of his ways and worship and praise follows. It says that your way may be known on the earth, your saving power among the nations. Let the peoples praise you, God. So praise is a response to having encountered the grace and mercy, majesty and beauty of God. It's a response. It, we can't even help it. And Isaiah 6 that we read this morning, Isaiah saw a vision of the Lord high and lifted up gloriously beautiful, and he was surrounded with worshiping creatures. They had seen God, and they could only worship him without ceasing. This vision of God caused Isaiah to be immediately aware that he was sinful, unworthy. He says, woe is me, I am ruined, I've seen the Lord. God in his grace cleansed his lips and cleansed his sins. Louis Giglio asks, so what kind of song can we bring to God with unclean lips? We can't. It's his extravagant grace that gives us the gift of a new heart, a new life, and awakens extravagant worship in us. This morning we heard about the woman who poured a whole year's worth of wages over the feet of Jesus while washing his feet with her tears. Why would she do this? It's a woman who experienced God's extravagant grace and she just extravagantly gave herself right back to him in worship. We're not able to awaken the worship of God by ourselves. It's when we encounter him, we are changed and awakened to worship. That's what God was calling me to that day, standing over that dishwasher. And so my response to that request, worship me, I didn't break out an exuberant song. (laughs) That was not where I was at. But I did return the whisper, God, you are God. This much I know. And looking back, to me, it is such a precious exchange. Because I couldn't see the road ahead, and I didn't know if God was going to answer my prayers, and I didn't know if the pain was going to end, but I knew that he's God. And that I could hold on to. I called to mind what I knew. God is God. He is big, and he created the earth. I just went back to the basics. And I, and, I, and I acknowledged it. And it was not glamorous. I had to dig deep. But the goodness of God was working in my life. And he was teaching me to live in his presence. And I could not help but respond with the truth. And although I felt pain, I can look back now and see what was happening was that my heart was being washed in the rivers of life. Because I was created to worship And you were created to worship. And when you live into that divine purpose, 
Worship aligns our heart with the truth. Many of you have seen the redemptive story that's unfolded in my life. The way God has brought Matthew and I together, and we believe that our marriage is not just so that we'll have fun and romance. We believe that it's for the sake of worship and not not singing necessarily, although that is an expression of our worship to God, but it's for the sake of this greater story that we were created to worship. So living a life of worship is daily. It's not just these three and four songs that we sing in the morning, on the Sunday morning together, but he invites us to worship him in our coming and in our going to worship him in the storms of life and in the seasons of abundance. And when everything's just normal, in the daily mundane, he's calling us to worship him. So when we come together on Sunday mornings or Sunday evenings and we sing these songs, do you know what it is? It's It's meant to be an overflow of the presence of God at work in our daily life. It's a time to come together and sing. This is my story. This is my song. You know the old hymn. We sing because we have something to say. We sing because we love him and because he is at work in our life and because we were created to worship him. Perhaps you feel this morning that your life is falling short of this for which you were created let these be moments of returning. Do you want to come play? What would it look like to worship God right now from where you are in your seat there? Whatever season you find yourself in. I know we every day face barriers that we feel are between us and God. But guess what? God didn't put those barriers there. We did. And life and its hardships put those barriers there. But he is, he is always faithful in inviting us into this beautiful relationship, this beautiful union with him. He is constant and faithful, gracious and forgiving, and always inviting us in. We just say yes. We just say yes. My wonderful husband, Matthew, is crazy into fantasy football, and uh, as are many of you, I know, I know, uh, and I don't know how he keeps track of all those players and teams. It's just too, it's just too much for me, but I know that he does it by putting it before his eyes. Like, literally, he puts the phone with the stats in front of his eyes and keeps track of it. <laughs> And so what I want to say to you this morning is put the Lord before your eyes. It's the only way to follow. And it's the only way to fall in love with him. He's beautiful to behold. And in the darkest hours of my life, I've experienced deep love and comfort from this amazing God who created the universe. He created the universe and all of its galaxies and yet comes closer than our very breath. So when you turn your eyes upon Jesus, things of this world grow dim. You can put, your, put him before your eyes with prayer, with reading the scriptures, 
singing to him. He'll reveal himself to you in a thousand ways. He will. So seek him. Search for him with all your heart. You will find him. He has promised. You've been listening to the Mission Red Bank podcast. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to know more about Mission Red Bank or have questions about what you've heard today, you'll find us on Facebook. Grace and peace to you, and may God's blessings surround you.